Welcome to the Edition Wars podcast, where we take a deep dive into the mechanics and playstyles of all the editions of our favorite game. We look at what worked, what didn't, what led to a better game, as well as what didn't, and we talk about it all. In this episode, we are going to discuss Unearthed Arcana, the third edition book, uh, the designer's toolkit, the cutting room floor scraps, uh, and we're starting with chapter two, and we're not going to make any promises about how long this series runs, because we aren't good at that. I don't know. We aren't, we aren't good at brevity. I mean, Sam has wit. I have tediousness and its outward limbs and flourishes. Um, well, yeah, I appreciate we'll you that. saying that. I'm, I'm not sure it's true, but uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Uh, so, so we're starting with chapter two. <laughs> chapter two. Yep. We covered a whole chapter and last time. Yes. We're we very good. Whole, well, we did. We did an overview, and we and we mentioned, uh, you know, what's good and bad. Uh, yep. Well, we mentioned, yeah. Well, and and okay, we anyway. did actually <laughs> touch on a thing from later in chapter two. Yes, because we, we flashed forward to my favorite thing in the book, right? Um, which leads us to actual chapter two, yeah, which is about classes. So chapter one was races. So this is classes. So, so, um, <laughs> so there, so there are there are variants for. I'm pretty sure every base class, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. get some amount of variation on every base class. Um, some of them much more substantial variants than others. Um, sure. And uh, so it's sort of just spinning stuff in a bunch of different directions. And you know, a fair amount of this stuff um, is at least uh, going to be superficially interesting as a is it path not traveled that maybe could still be explored for um, – for Fifey. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I guess let's just jump into it, right? Um, with the, yeah. the Barbarian variants. So, oh, Totem Barbarian. Cool. We, we did that one. That subclass. That's very good. Oh, there's more animals. Uh, oh, well, that's, that's kind of that's slick. Yeah. So, <laughs> so right, uh, like we see uh, bear and eagle um, and wolf. So, like, uh, we we kind of have uh, the player's handbook totem uh, t- totems wrapped up right here, um, and then we also have ape and boar and dragon and horse and jaguar. Um, the jaguar is what it calls standard for I don't know reasons, and lion and serpent. And and that's that's a whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then the, and then the, in the original bear, eagle, wolf, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, uh, actually, not remembering this text, I did release. Uh, I think maybe only on my blog, um, a, a serpent totem for barbarians. Um, mm-hmm. Explored that a bit, um, but. You know, there would be nothing in the world wrong with seeing more um, totem options come out for um, totem barbarians in 5e. 
and um, you know, a lot of these definitely could have a place. Um, a, a dragon totem barbarian could just go ahead and be its own subclass. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'd be into right. that. I think a lot of people yeah. would. It's very Eberron, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because right. Uh, barbarians of uh, uh, Argonesson. Yeah, we're good. Um, and yeah, and you could even uh, intertwine that and create it like a dragon mark variant. Right. Yeah. Um, and then um, the the inclusion of horse totem actually uh, puts me back in mind of the first edition barbarian, which really, really cared about um, giving at least a nod to like. Um, the, the Turkic peoples and their, their horse archery and Slavic peoples and all of this, like really specific real world groups and like nods to what they did really well. Um, or at least what Gygax thought they did really well. Let's be real about <laughs> what I mean. But yeah. um, like if you, if you wound up uh, supporting um, uh, like, Tuigan uh, horse archers from Forgotten Realms with a horse totem. That's pretty cool. That, that, that does actually like say something about who you are in a, in a fun way, and it mm-hmm. distinguishes you from other people in your class. One of the things about D&D is you usually don't need to be distinguished from other characters who have the same class within the party, because you don't usually have two people of the same class in the same party very often. Right. Uh, in in older Not editions, you're playing a, a, a specific type of adventure where everyone's a wizard or everyone's, you know. Sure, and, sort of and you've also got it. very early editions of of D anD D, original and probably uh, presumably one e. I, I assume that there are two or three fighters in the party. There might be two wizards. There might be two clerics or whatever. That that I assume is totally normal when there are three to four classes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and. In my own game, I've had a situation where there are two barbarians at the same time, who just had different subclasses. That was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I've had two fighters with the same subclass who still played totally differently. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, the point is... That's one of the interesting things about role-playing, right? Is that you right, can actually yeah. build two two characters that are mechanically exact, exactly similar, right? Exactly yep. the same. But yet the role players, you know, the players themselves can play those so differently that that's, you know. Right. Anyway. yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Like (laughs) the the example of that that I always hold up is actually Pendragon, where everyone Mm -hmm. is playing a knight. Right. Everyone needs to have. (laughs) Right. You're you're all the same class. You even are chasing the same skills. Because mm-hmm, you all right. need sword, you all need lance, you all need the same couple of skills, and then yeah. you've got other skills that you might or might not be good at, and then you might have different ethnicities, and it's it's Pendragon; those have mechanical outcomes, right? And it, you start out basically at the same kind of noble rank, right? Because you're knights, uh, is that right? Right, though, like it, it might be better to be, for example, a. Uh, uh, a Briton than, uh, or, or a Roman than a Saxon knight, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, sure. Anyway, uh, the <laughs> point is, I, I played a ton of Pendragon um, several years ago, 
And the characters differentiating themselves was not a problem. Right. Um, but we were all, we're all competing for the same prizes. So that's that changes the game a lot. Um, but I digress. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, not doing a ton of deep dive into any of these totems. Uh, they're all... Uh, they're all interesting. Um, like the, the horse totem that I talked about, um, like with these, you're trading out a bunch of features, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all a question of like how much do you care about the features you're trading out in exchange for what you're getting. Well, right. I'm, I'm sorry, run and endurance are nobody's power move. <laughs> right. They're, yeah. they're, Occasionally nice to have at best. Uh, that in exchange for uh, Uncanny Dodge Trap Sense improved Uncanny Dodge. Um, oh, and you also get plus two to handle animal checks made with regard to horses and plus two bonus to ride checks made to ride a horse. No. Unless you're playing a game where everyone is a horseman. Sure. But then why do you need run? Well, not. I mean, forget run, but I'm just saying, like, if if that's a theme of the game, sure, yeah, then you might you might choose if you were going to play a barbarian anyway, you might choose this particular set of class features to be the horse totem, be- because eventually it will get you a tiny bump that's actually going to end up being a big deal, sure, possibly later, in terms of your handling animals and riding checks and all that kind of crap. So, uh, and, and that's that's fair. Um, some of these um, probably are, you know, at least pretty exciting. Um, the, the boar totem getting extra uh, damage reduction. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I, I might trade uh, standard fast movement on Kenny Dodge trap sense and improved on Kenny Dodge for uh, extended rage, more damage reduction. Um, and treat it as having the diehard feet. Well, that that's that's worth something. It yeah. does change a lot of stuff because your uh, like extra survivability at first level is hard to come by. Um, mm-hmm. But like I said, I don't want to trade you every one of these. Um, I guess so. My thing is like the reason I brought up that with the horse totem was that yeah. you know some of these variant like this book in general is like. Oh, you have a niche that you want to try to fit. You want to have some official content for fitting the characters into this niche that you want to have in your campaign. Okay, here you go. Blah. Let me let me, you know, throw out a whole bunch of pages of different variants in very short order. I mean, you know, this the, the these class feature listings for the for the barbarian, for example, they're like, you know, uh, two sentences and three bullet points, right? I mean, th- this isn't yeah. like a five-page, you know, treatise on how to be a you know a horse barbarian. This right, is for like sure. okay, switch some of these out, add some of this. That'll give you the thematic element, and it's an official book. It's official content. Here you go. You know, you can you can make it work. Yep. And so that's what a lot of this is. A lot of this class chapter is all about, oh, let me try this very specific situational thing that I need in my campaign. Hey, here's an official rule for it now. 
Yep, yep. That that is about right. Um, but you know, then you have Dragon Totem, which yeah, <laughs> I'll probably worth it. Pro- probably do that. Right. right. Anyway, um, like the the takeaway here is, as you're saying, cool idea. Maybe needs another balance pass, mm-hmm. but cool idea. Good on them for at least giving some pointers and how to personalize stuff and a, a game where there are a bunch of barbarians and their, their particular lodge matters would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you have um, the, the bard variants. There are three. Uh, you have bardic sage, uh, which swaps in intelligence based casting and gets some other casting stuff. Uh, they say learn additional divination spells, and they have additional spells in their on their class list, um, and it it costs them some stuff on bardic music, etc. Mm-hmm. But then you have divine bard who does the same, but with wisdom instead of charisma, um, and so this is interesting to see because it's totally a thing in Thirteenth Age, mm. right? Um, I guess I didn't realize I haven't played a lot of 13th age. Well, so I, I covered 13th age just in my history of the classes stuff for tribality. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I've played now some 13th age, but not a ton. Um, and um, the, the thing there is, is just like bards are charisma casters at base, but, there are things you can swap out for. Like, uh, I think it's, I want to say it's talents that you, you can take that let you be an intelligence caster or a wisdom caster instead. And I love that. That's really mm-hmm. neat. It really, really nicely expands the, the concepts of you know, who in the setting is a bard and what being a bard means in different situations. Um, so that makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then you also have the Savage Bard that um, it is a little bit more like a Valor Bard in in 5e. Um, and they gain illiteracy because they're part barbarian. Sure. <laughs> it's, yeah, right. No one misses that rule. Um, mm-hmm. And then it changes around their spell list a bit. Um, and also no one misses uh, compulsory alignments. Must be chaotic in alignment. Savage Bard becomes non-chaotic. Cannot pr- progress in levels as a bard. They retain all his bard abilities. Miss yeah. me. I, I mean, I, what's funny about this is I feel like this is a lot of missed opportunity in this entry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. No, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I just, me, f- for me, reading that, I, I just think to myself, why would anybody take this? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, like, and, but yet, but yet I could see sort of glimmers of, hey, here's how this would make sense, right? Like, if you're thinking of this sort of uh, barbarian tribes that, you know, have, uh, it makes sense that you would have something with some sort of musical talent um, and you would be able to inspire 
your your band of other barbarians in your native homeland and you know what i'm saying like and and, yeah. and there's probably an oral tradition less so maybe than written although maybe there's some you know writing of symbology on hides and whatnot you know what i mean like so there's no need for the illiteracy so that throw that right out uh Oops, yeah. cussing. This is a family podcast. Throw that stuff <laughs> right that out, tag. right? Yeah. <laughs> so throw throw that illiteracy right out because you don't it's not necessary. There's no there's no reason for that. So you could add in a cool class feature instead, right? Yeah. Like there's there's just a lot of space in there that instead of broadening it and making it, hey, this would be something kind of cool that is really thematic, but it's a bard, not a barbarian, and then it just kind of eh. Well, right, and like it makes me think about like the um, the um, ancestral spirits um, barbarian subclass in Xanathar's mm-hmm. Guide, and how like that really tells you a lot about uh, like a, a tribal culture potentially. Mm-hmm. Well, a bard from that culture would be so awesome, right? But you would need to like give it a, a good hard hip check to get the mechanics like working to, to tell that story a little more. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it probably need to be its own bar, a barred subclass. That's fine. Sure. But yeah. uh, you know, you can have subclasses that are good for only one situation. Like that's okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, that like those two things folding together is really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the next up is the cleric variant of the cloistered cleric, uh, and this is the only variant cleric uh, here, mm-hmm. but they are much more your your kind of uh, uh, clothy casters, uh, simple mm-hmm. weapons and light armor. Um, they have right. lore as an ability. Um, this is your friar tuck scholarly right. cleric versus your. Your battle cleric with a shield and a mace, smiting right. enemies, almost and, a paladin. Right, You're, it's not the almost right. a paladin; it's the almost a priest. <laughs> yep, and and I love that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Oh I, sure, yeah, it has a place. It has a place I, definitely. I, I so so the thing other than D and D that has really done a lot to shape my notion of what a priest can and should look like is World of Warcraft. Because mm-hmm. my my main for years and years and years was a priest, and they're they're, they're very very backline. Uh, I have no business being anywhere near a fight. Uh, sort of uh, you know, healers and damage dealers, and their damage dealing form is awesome and terrifying. Well, mm-hmm. a a shadow priest, uh, but a cleric in D anD D would be wild. Um, you'd have to do a lot of massaging to really get it to work quite like WoW does because um, Mind Flay, like that's a that's a great spell mm-hmm. name, but what does that do in D and D? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the point is, um, I guess in Five E, what I want to say is that the nature of domains uh, and making. Domains, the main thing that varies between clerics, is is actually really narrowing, in sort of surprising ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it because you don't have a mechanical emphasis on 
what's your role within a single faith? You have mechanical emphasis on, you know, a, a different level of thing about that character. Hmm. So anyway, I have no problem with the, the cloistered cleric as, as such, but dropping down to d6 for hit die was just unnecessary. Like, <laughs> oh, they have another average hit point per level. Y'all. Right. So, so Druid Variant, uh, Druidic Avenger, um, it's, it's very much blending barbarian DNA into the Druid, and mm-hmm. that's fun. That's it, it, fine, family fun. Um, right. It's your Druid with no animal companion. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Like, it, sure, it, it, please take this variant and don't be as powerful as a Druid. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> it's it's third ed druids, man. <laughs> yeah, so op, yeah. so op. But this is the let me intimidate you, and let me not have an animal companion because I don't need one because I'm intimidating myself. Well, right. I, I, I guess the wild shape. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, I guess the wild shape into a rat sure. in a cage. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Someone will say, "What is lost can never be saved." <laughs> So the fighter variant is the thug. <laughs> um, and uh, anybody who doesn't get that isn't old enough. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know how old the listeners are, but whatever. <laughs> well, most of the listeners that I know are my age or older. And uh, yes. they'll think I'm hilarious, and, I'm sure. And they either love or hate Billy Corgan. But anyway, moving on. Right. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, so the thug. So, so the fighter variant is the thug, <laughs> and you know I, I've seen various uh, fighter thugs and rogue thugs, and it's sort of it, is your fighter a little bit more of a rogue, or is your rogue a little bit more of a fighter? Um, in just just tons of different situations, mm-hmm. uh, like wasn't it a kit in second ed? Um, I, I want to say it was a rogue kit. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, there's some rogue builds uh, that are very much themed that way in, in 4E. Um, you can play the, the club-wielding uh, rogue, um, and so on. And like, um, it's never really appealed to me, uh, though I have a friend who's playing a fighter who would fit this theme pretty well. In, mm-hmm. um, in in my campaign, and I'm fine with his character. Like I have no problem with what he's doing. It's just not what I would play. Mm-hmm. It's just never really spoken to me. Um, like when I've wanted to play a sort of hard-headed brute of a fighter, um, more rogue stuff was not my way of doing it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it, yeah yeah anyway. I mean, that, there's not really a lot to say about that. I, I, yeah. I feel like you. It's it's sort of like, well, is your is your rogue more fightery or is your fighter more roguey? Eh, you know, yeah. there's so many ways to do it that this one doesn't really offer anything that's all that real different. But yeah. you know, if 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 you're not a you know if you're not a designery person who's making your own stuff, and especially in in third edition where there are lots of little fiddly bits. Um, you know, if you if you couldn't do that on your own, which you know, I know a ton of people who never would design something. They want a book, and they want the book to tell them how to do it. And there you go. And this is this is perfect for them, I guess. But 
you know, it just doesn't bring anything to the table for me that, that seems. Yeah. Yeah. You know. uh, so, so the one, I guess, thing about this is that you're trading a feat for more class skills and more skill points. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's the whole idea. Right. And fighters need more skills anyway. Having mm-hmm. to sell stuff for it is frustrating because. Right. right. Now, now you're the, explicitly the, trading it away. Yeah. But it's just the, yeah. the, the, class skill and skill point stinginess of, of third ed mm-hmm. is one of the things that, you know, rubs me the wrong way about it uh, mm-hmm. here years later. Right. Um, so, uh, so next up is the monk variant, uh, which is fighting styles. Um, and let's see. They, they don't declare uh, any of these styles to be the, the basic one, do they? To be the, the the default one, the the monk. Uh, I don't think so. Let me skim it real quick again. I'm not a huge lover of the three E monks, so I did not spend a lot of time, honestly, yeah. staring into the eyes of this one. <laughs> well, yeah. The thing about the three E monk is that uh, they really flip from uh, so, so fragile as to be barely playable to uh, untouchable gods uh, right. because of their saving throws. Right, right. Um, because once the game is more about uh, save or die spells and spell resistance is king, well, yeah, I guess I guess monks are going to be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, this is this is all about um, telling little stories with um, what you get, like giving you different bonus feats uh, mm-hmm. in place of your default bonus feats as a monk. Right. Right and um, including you know a skill bonus, like they're fine. Um, the 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 concept feels like such a light touch approach to me. You know, at at this remove of many years, that I don't love it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But um, the the themes that it's playing with are, I think, worth a second look. Um, some of the some of the things like Cobra Strike and Sleeping Tiger are things I wanted to draw in with the Way of the Wild Monk that I wrote um, that also made it into Seas um, of Adari in a, mm-hmm. in a changed up form, um, like something like Invisible Eye. Well, that's uh, on the strength of one sentence. That's still. Uh, compelling enough that I'd mm-hmm. want to sit down and think about what I thought that could mean and do something with that. Right. Um, so, so yeah, like the best thing here is the, the fighting style names. Everything else is sort of, <laughs> all right. But you could take every single one of these and you could turn it into a subclass in fifth edition. Yep. Yep. And I mean, hand and foot is straight up. Uh, you know, the way of the open hand, we're good. Sure, sure, sure. But I just mean in terms of, let's say that didn't exist, right? Let's say you yeah, were going to yeah, yeah. make monk subclasses. Here's a great page and a half of, or I guess just one page maybe, of ideas of what you could do. Uh, yep. And of course, you, if you're making a whole 5e subclass, you're going you're gonna to flesh it out a little bit more. But oh, yeah. ultimately, you know, this is giving you the pointers to do it. Yep. You know, that's given you some directions to think about. You yep. may not even decide to do them exactly the same, 
but they make sense. But kind of like the fighter, it's eh, okay. Right. Like it's it's useful if you if what you need is an idea mine uh, mm-hmm. at right. this remove. If you're still playing three point five and there's nothing wrong with that, it's just not for me. Um, then maybe you do want to take a second look at some of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah. Um, that brings us to the paladin variants, uh, freedom, slaughter, and tyranny. Well, <laughs> this goes way back in D anD. d Having a chaotic good, lawful evil, and chaotic evil paladin. Right. That's that's uh, just a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Like thing people have wanted, and I, right. Uh, it makes sense to me. Of course, we should get rid of alignment restrictions on paladins. Oh, you want to do that a different way? Well, um, yeah. All right, no, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you yeah. could do that. Sort of. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But there was there was an old Dragon Magazine article that did all of these, and I, I don't remember if any of them ever uh, – I'm pretty sure some of them made it into um, uh, uh, official print. I know that in um, Defenders of the Faith, the 3.0 book, there was uh, a Holy Liberator kind of deal um but but yeah like uh paladin of conquest is absolutely the tyranny concept here um Mm -hmm. it does it a little bit differently because it's much more disease focused and that was much more fear focused the 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 one in xanathar's guide is much more fear focused um i think you could definitely make an argument i would be the first to make the argument that uh, freedom is the sort of origin point for Oath of the Ancients. Um, sure. And then I think that's a good argument you could make, yeah. Yeah, and then, then Slaughter is your Oathbreaker. Um, we also, in UA, at one point saw a, uh, I want to say it was a Tyranny subclass th- or, or something like that, uh, in, in parallel with in the same document with Conquest. Um, mm-hmm. I, I may have the name a little bit wrong, but I'm not looking it up right now. Anyway, um, yeah, these are all... Yeah, but, 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 is it, but, but these, you know, following the... So, so the interesting thing is they have the code of conduct, right? Yeah. Um, and so, okay, fine. But a paladin of slaughter must be of chaotic evil alignment and loses all class abilities if she ever willingly commits a good act. The paladin what does of that tyranny, even mean? Right. The paladin of tyranny is the same exact way, except it's lawful evil instead of chaotic. Uh, right. And so, you know, loses all class abilities if he ever willingly commits a good act. Like, really? Right. What, like, what what do you define as a good act? Like, you know, uh, so you know, so uh, you know, when when I think of some some creature that is lawful evil or some humanoid that is lawful evil and that would that would hold a class like this, right? That would have this position of being a paladin of tyranny. Yeah, you're not going to be worried about. Ooh, did I just commit a good act? You know, uh, right. Right? right. I mean, so that's it's it's one of those like you know you you allow your minion to uh, 
to to you show your minion mercy once because you want to teach them a lesson about torture or something that's a good act to show them mercy oh suddenly you're no longer you know what i mean like that's such a completely i mean uh, i mean uh, is it is it i mean do we need well, to I'm, uh, I'm just saying i'm just saying like having mercy is a good uh, I, I mean we a just good trait right well but your your motives are corrupt if your motives are sufficiently corrupt, there's no good action. Right, but, this, but this doesn't say anything about that. It just says <laughs> ever willingly commits a good act. But my argument is that it's not a good act anymore if your motives are corrupt enough. Right, but but okay, so this is the <laughs> argument we're going to have at the table every time. <laughs> right. Right. But, right. So, so my point, right? So, so I basically point. make my players go watch all of The Good Place. <laughs> and, and understand. Okay. Right. So now, 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 every session is a trolley problem. Okay, got right. it. Let's move on. <laughs> right. And and you're basically playing um, like <laughs> uh, oh, oh spoilers I guess season one Michael um, sort of <laughs> right. so also sort of anyway I'm gonna cut that before spoilers go too far yeah. Uh, so here's the thing though right like that so I mean my point I mean I'm just like this is this is this is the exact reason why. Um, alignment restrictions fall down because if you're actually going to write it that way, you know, there's a lot of wiggle room in saying this creature is lawful evil, right? Or this player is chaotic good or whatever. There's a lot of wiggle room there. But if you're going to start putting a a literal code of conduct that begins with the sentence, a paladin of freedom must be of chaotic good alignment and loses all class abilities if he ever willingly commits an evil act. Like, okay. (laughs) Right. But now, like I, I, I don't know. I this is where the alignment, the alignment thing falls apart. And I'm an old school player. I like alignments, right? Like I'll argue for the usefulness of alignments up and down, right? Like we we could probably do an entire episode where where I argue the usefulness of alignments, and you could probably counterpoint everything I say, and I could counterpoint everything you say. Well, I I, but, I will certainly say I do not get any use out of alignments at my table. Sure, but but I'm just saying, like, but but there's a way to make them useful, sure. and I don't think this fulfills that right. in my mind, right? Uh, but it does give you more to argue about, and if you're playing a <laughs> uh, a paladin yes. of slaughter or tyranny, that's probably why you're here, right? Yes. you probably just love arguing with the, right. the, your, your poor DM. Just well, and this is the other thing, though. Like, I'm kind of surprised that those two are in here. Are there other evil variant classes in in this in this chapter? I have I didn't really actually look for them, but uh, like it just fe- feels like that. Okay, that's that's information for the Book of Vile Darkness, right? Like that's that's fodder for your evil campaign book. Yeah, a little not bit. fodder for you know variant a variant class chapter where every other class variant that's presented is well, meant right. for PCs, but. You know, that said, why is this existing in parallel with the uh, the Blackguard uh, Prestige class? Well, yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, let's go ahead and hit up the, the Ranger yeah, yeah. variant. Well, wait, uh, I want to say one last thing about this uh, Paladin thing. So they do this interesting piece right here where they give you Table 2-1, which is the comparison side-by-side of the paladin class features for the three uh 
for the three different variations that it has oh. here. Why didn't Why didn't they do that for the monk and the and the barbarian, the totem barbarian, which also had a whole bunch of different options, so that you could see them all side by side? Like it, it feels like this is a uh, this would have been a good type of formatting for the pr- some of the previous options too in this chapter. That's probably fair. Um, I I don't pretend to know why they make the layout decisions they make, but yeah, yeah th- this is certainly this really makes it much easier to sort of look around and see what's going on and, and parse mm-hmm. it all. Um, yeah, but it's also much more varied from the baseline. It, it is mm-hmm. ch- more things are changed here than uh, totems or monks. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. But what what you also notice is they don't they also don't compare this to the just standard box standard paladin. Yep. Right. So um, you can't even really see what this is showing you is what's different between these three variants, but not what's different between these variants and a and a standard. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So anyway. Um, so so right. Uh, next we get the ranger variants. If you're playing a ranger, well that one's in Xanathar's guide. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. The, the Horizon Walker was already a prestige class, but, it, you know, Horizon yeah. Walker. Uh, you have your Urban Ranger, uh, which is, this is far from the first time this concept has come up and certainly won't be the mm-hmm. last. Right. Um, I call this the city tracker, right? This right, is, yeah. yeah. Well, basically. But, well, right, like, if you if you need to exfiltrate yourself from, I don't know, maybe New York or L.A., mm-hmm. like... It's Nick Fliskin's obviously dead, so you need this guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, right. So th- there's a whole sidebar on urban tracking. That, that's a thing. Um, yeah. And it's gather information. That's actually one of the more it's it's one of the more interesting parts of this. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like this is this is a really nice standard rule. Um, the worst I can say of it is it's a little fiddly. But tracking has been fiddly forever, so that's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah. there's nothing actually wrong with this at all. Um, not by the, the third ed standards. Um, and yeah. sort of exactly in counterpoint to a more urban ranger, you have a more wilderness rogue. Mm-hmm. And we saw UA go through this exact like paradigm um, right. with uh, all the... the alternate rangers and uh, you know crypto alternate rangers that have come out from ua over the years um so your scout rogue which is in xanathar's is is absolutely just this right here Mm -hmm. Uh, but then scout would also go on to be a 20 level class um later in 3.5 so there's that i don't actually have any strong feeling about uh the the wilderness rogue um Oh, they have some new special ability options. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, they're they're fine. Um, like they have different class skills, which is just sort of they should get to choose their skills differently. Why do we even have? You know what? That whole class out of class thing. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a thing, though, right? Like you it, have it, to, it's it's you a have big to thing to those, right? Yeah, like it's a really big deal. That giant table, you know. My my, I'm gonna die when I say it. My favorite table from the PHB, right? Like that's, right, right. Well, you know, go get a towel because you just skeeted blood all over your keyboard, I know, right, right, right from the eyes. It's horrible. Um, so 
Um, but yeah, I mean, but 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 at the same time, like you know, you basically remove some class skills uh, that would be standard rogue class skills, and you add some class skills that would be wilderness based. I think yeah. the special ability that you mentioned earlier, the those adding those special abilities, is the most interesting thing about this variant. Yep. Like I would just want to see this all brought completely into the baseline rogue as standard. This doesn't need mm-hmm. to be a variant that you lock yourself into. This can just live in rogue as far as I'm concerned. That would be right. really cool. Um, so the next variant uh, along the way, I'm, I'm hurrying mm-hmm. through these folks because uh, <laughs> it's it's a big chapter. Um, next, next variant along the way is the sorcerer. Uh, we get the battle sorcerer. And, uh, you know, in principle, I, I love this kind of thing. Um, the sorcerer has long been a, a um, stack of mechanics in search of an identity. Mm-hmm. And um, letting it be a little bit closer to a, a fighter mage concept. Um, I don't know how many people are going to just be horribly offended if I call it a gish. But it's a gish. Um, that's a that's a lore term, folks. It comes from the Githyanki. No, all right. Um, so so they gain uh, uh, proficiency with any light or one-handed martial weapon of the character's choice, and with light armor. Now that's still not necessarily going to make you a frontliner. They did also go up to D8 hit dice, but uh, there's definitely the the baseline of a really cool idea here, especially if you, you know, have all of the spells that were published for 3.5 at your fingertips. So you can pick the ones that are best suited to, to you because a lot of them were sorcerer spells. They're just Mm -hmm. terrible for your baseline sorcerer and amazing for a battle sorcerer. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing this reminds me of is in D and D next, uh, there was this one draft, one or maybe two drafts, of uh, a sorcerer class that was uh, spell point based. And as you burned down your spell point pool, you actively picked up different abilities. So uh, you had abilities that didn't come online until you'd burned down your spell point pool to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This that. was the coolest damn thing. Yeah, no one in my group was was playing that class during that packet change. So, so I had two players uh, roll up sorcerers, and one of them actually saw some use at the table. Um, and you know, they're, they're only about second level, so they didn't get to see the the whole fun of it. But mm-hmm. what a cool idea! just too mechanically burdensome, right? And it doesn't really fit with the way your uh, your uh, sorcery point total can rise and fall a lot in the course of a day in, uh, in 5e, as we have mm-hmm. it now. But mm-hmm. for what it was then, so cool. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I always think of the sorcerer as uh, just the way to be able to introduce variant spellcasting. Sure. That's sure. all it is. 
that's why that's the same. It's the same as you saying it's a it's a it's a a, a set of mechanics in search of a in search of a a, a, a focus, right? Like right. that's yeah. that's that's the same thing I think about it. Like it's just it's a way to sort of introduce a different way of spellcasting. I mean, that, that's yep. a neutral statement. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, like, it's it, it it it's often felt sort of out of place to me because of that, but not right. not in a bad way. Like, I like I feel like it doesn't have a place, but just sort of like it's yeah. out of place. But but I feel like if the battle sorcerer here had become sort of a more central standard, uh, that really could have been given its own identity mm-hmm. in a really bold way. Um, yeah, I, my my buddy Colin has uh, done some some conceptual work with um, you know the, the uh, an arcane martial blend that comes across as sort of an arcane paladin. That's sort of the space he's working in, um, and like some of the the thematic stuff he was doing there was just really like, different and exciting, and said things about the world that I, I thought would have been really cool. Um, and um, this battle sorcerer would, would fit into those ideas really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but here we are. Uh, and yeah. so the last of these uh, is the uh, wizard variant. And this is sort of hard to grasp what it's selling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but it, it's talking about uh, domains in the clerical sense, just sort of your magic is really tightly themed around this one thing, but it's not a it's not like transmutation or mm-hmm. divination. Right. It's instead it's topics like cold and right. battle. But it can magic. be the abjuration domain. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or conjuration, or divination, right. or right. invocation, and, and, and or all the schools show up here, right? Or necromancy, or, or storm, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like I said, it's 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 double dipping almost that it, <laughs> right? And, and that's and, and you know you want to play a a, a fire wizard, and D and D doesn't actually set out to make that easy for you. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sympathetic mm-hmm. to that that issue, right? Um, and it's an issue for a bunch of different reasons, starting with what do you do when you fight something fire immune? Right. Right. Or do you just leave? Because like it can still kill you, but you can't do anything to it. Well, that's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, um, like, I think this is just collections of spines. These. You, you could pick two domains so you could do cold yeah. and fire. Right. Yeah. Like that would be pretty cool. Um, be cool. Like, I don't think you have to, necessarily squint too hard to see Shadow of the Demon Lord and its um, mm-hmm. spellcasting uh, schools or traditions, whatever they call them, uh, in this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because these are very s- short and tightly themed co- collections of spells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it's not like here's here's the anti-magic domain and here's the possible list of spells that you, you know, and then it's like five pages of, it's like, yeah. no, here's the, here's the, here's the cantrip. Here's the first level set of spells, right? Here's the second right. level. And it's, you know, one or two for each one, uh, for each right. level. So it's not, um, 
an extensive, like, here you go. It's a very focused list for each domain. Um, and then finally we have other class variants because the foregoing list of class variants was <laughs> not enough class variants. And, right. and this is just still more sense of we found this in the cutting room floor. We think it has some value. We're not going to finish developing it, but here you go. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's also like, it's not even like full variant, right? So for example, the barbarian one is like uh, suggesting, well, if you prefer crafty hunting over ferocity, then you exchange rage for some ranger class features. And then it yeah. gives you, you know, your, uh, your, then it's very short and sweet. I actually yeah. like it as a, as a sort of, you know, pick your poison kind of yeah. little, very quick, like you're not even really making a variant. You're just deciding to trade out. You lose two things, you gain two things, you know, yep. kind of thing. Uh, and I think that sort of um, in overall feel, this is putting me very much in mind of Pathfinder. Right, mm -hmm. uh, Pathfinder One yeah. E has a lot of like alternate class feature options, mm -hmm. and then you get you know versions of the classes where all of your class features. Uh, this is also true in Pathfinder Second Ed. All of your class features are choices from a a, a short like um, a la carte list, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And right. your a la carte options expand as you go, but right. they're all choice points. Well, this is this is trying to offer you uh, like drilling way, way down to specifics, get exactly what you want, and you don't have any features that you have to sort of wonder how you're going to fit them into your concept or right. maybe not give them as much camera time because they don't yeah. sell the concept you care about as much. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's that's similar kind of to the their traits, right? Don't they have a trait system in, in Pathfinder uh, oh, that probably. allows you to add – you know, it, uh, it came later on in the in the additions cycle, but it but uh, the, it's basically like one-liners, right? Like here's your trait. Uh, your trait is uh, you're you're an orphan, you know, raised by the church. You're an orphan acolyte, and that gave you, you know, some kind of. I'm I'm just totally making this up, but that that would give you, you know, the ability to do something that would otherwise only be open to a cleric, but you know, you're a fighter or a barbarian or a wizard or whatever you know and so that trait gives you one little tiny piece and allows you to bring something in that you wouldn't otherwise have the ability to get because of your class restrictions yep so and i might be just completely explaining it wrong so any any pathfinder aficionados forgive me it's it's not my preferred system but uh, it's a fun game i just it's not anyway uh, okay so so <laughs> now we have more variants for yes. for so, classes specifically. So it misleads you and says, "Oh yeah, that's the end of the variants." Oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. And so this is variants for your specialist wizards, and this is a lot of variation. And mm -hmm. these are just the subclasses. Like this, yeah. this yeah. is what feels really five E to me. Oh yeah, you think so? Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Because it's because it's actually giving you features in its presentation. Even it feels like yeah, right. yeah. It's actually giving very specific and wordy sets of abilities. Right, like the the mechanics they're using. Well, no, right, not 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 so much. Um, though, like aura of protection for abjurer. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the abjurer's ward, my guy. Um, like that that works really well. Um, 
so, so some of these definitely do fit in. Um, the Necromancer looks very similar uh, here as in 5e um, with some of the things that go on. Like Undead Apotheosis is mm-hmm. inured to undeath. Like that that's that's it, that's the tweet. And Evoker is you know, conversely surprisingly different. Um but Evoker is trying to solve the fire mage against a red dragon problem to a high degree. Yeah, energy substitution. Bing bing bing. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Overcome resistance. There it is. That's that's the one. Um and and transmuter here you can tell they have not yet quite had the idea of, oh, right, they're alchemists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, man, when I opened the, the player's handbook and, and saw that that's what they were doing with transmuters, oh, <laughs> right, they're alchemists. That's awesome. I was so <laughs> in love with that. I still am. Like that. Yeah. That's just perfect. Yeah, it makes sense. So, so obviously we're going to keep getting more variants. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the, the kinds of further variants are less... Here we're subbing out your whole class, and more. We're doing this specific thing differently. So next up is spontaneous divine casters. I don't think I need to explain any more of that. It's just divine casters or sorcerers. But we're good. Very straightforward. Yeah. New spells known. Yeah. Uh, table, and then that's yeah. pretty much it. And I, I might think about. Um, well, and, and honestly, that altogether winds up feeling like playing a, a fifth ed cleric. With the way spell prep works in mm-hmm. in five e, sure. Uh, yep. So yeah. Well, that's why I mentioned the spells yeah, known yeah, table because yeah. that's of extreme importance when you're resource managing your spells in third edition. And what five e has taught me is that you know what, relaxing that further will still feel good. Mm-hmm. It's yep. fine. Yeah. Um, then we have favorite enemy variant. Um, never really been happy about favorite enemy as a thing um, because it's just not going to come up enough. Right. It always feels like it should, and then it never does. And I'll, I'll use the, the line that I heard from a friend of mine uh, that I use every time it comes up. It, it defines your ranger as a walking hate mm-hmm. crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's not yeah. actually as exciting once you mm-hmm. have that phrase in your head. It's just sort of frustrating. Oh, uh, yeah, I am sort of just <laughs> horrible. Yeah. Uh, um, Whirling Frenzy, that was a 4, 4E thing uh, that, that showed up in, was it Primal Power, probably? Um, yeah, probably. And I think it's probably also a ranger attack description. Yeah. Like, a lot of melee ranger attacks <laughs> probably described as Whirling Frenzy yeah. in, in one way or another. But, yeah, like, this is specifically about, um, like, a, a dervish concept. Mm-hmm. Um it's meant to evoke a rage where you're just spinning around like a Tasmanian devil and killing everything. Right. And that's it's sort of more video gamey, more explicitly video gamey than you see in a lot of 3.5, but it's still fun. Whatever. So uh, fourth edition, Primal Power, uh, Whirling Rend, Barbarian Attack 1. You strike Called out it. in two directions, drawing blood from different enemies. It's, but uh, is there also there's also a build that that yeah probably that, I'm just I yeah. just ha- I just pulled this book off the shelf and flipped to the barbarian yeah. page. So, there we yeah. go. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. there's a there's a ton that I'm not remembering, but uh, it's yeah, fine. So definitely, it's uh, so so right. Um, like that's a that's a pretty cool idea. Um, I'm I'm fine with that. Um, 
the turning undead variant for level checks and for planar banishment. Um, this is really eye bleedingly te- dense text. So, <laughs> like, dear listeners, you don't need me to summarize this for you. I just it's it's a level check or it's planar banishment. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, let's yeah. let's go. Um, wild shape variant aspect of nature. Now you're talking my language. I I like this already. Um, because I I like boomkins in World of Warcraft, like big old owlbear dudes that blast you with moonfire. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. <laughs> um, and like uh, this aspect of nature idea also uh, shows up in um, in Forey for Druids, my, my favorite Druids of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time I've ever actually played a Druid PC uh, was Forey. Um, the very fluid way they shapeshifted just that was so freaking fun (laughs) Um, anyway this is very much about taking on one aspect and beating things up in that one uh, you know aspect right and that's that's fine it's a bit more customized uh, shapeshifting rather than the um, like shapeshift into either an owlbear caster or a swamp thing or whatever though you should totally shape be able to shape shift into swamp thing because that that comic <laughs> is awesome um and so like it, th- this is pretty cool um i think there's also a bunch of prestige classes that deal with uh this idea of piecemeal shape shifting so next up after that we get prestigious character classes and we talked about this a bit in the first episode so I don't think we need to cover it all that much, mm-hmm. but what is interesting is that there are 15 level character classes. Um, none of this five or 10 business. Mm-hmm. Like you earn the prestige to be this thing uh, between fifth and sixth level. And now you're the thing go forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a way to say that you have to grow into being a fighter or, or into being a paladin or a ranger or a bard. Sure. Right. That's fine. Um, all I take away from that is, man, it would have been cool if there had been something for wizards. Well, it's fine. <laughs> um, so, so after that, we get to one of the really big ideas in the book. Um, and one of the ones that I think got the most traction out of everything in the entire book. I, I think, I think pretty, pretty safely the most traction out of all the things in this book, because not many got a lot of traction, Gestalt characters. Mm-hmm. This is the weirdest multiclassing option that has ever been written. D&D has offered up to this point. <laughs> yeah. And possibly that has ever <laughs> yes. been written. Yeah. Like it's, it's wild, but like it, it offers an, an ethic of D&D that is just not in tune with the rest of D&D. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine and that's cool, but you take you take the best of uh, either world for two classes. Right. You pick two classes, and you get everything: the better of the hit dice, the better of all these options. Mm-hmm. And if if two options are just in parallel and aren't offering you the same thing, you just get both. It's fine. And so that that really. Uh, on one level, it makes the game all about action economy. Mm-hmm. Like every round, what you care about is action economy. Right. But 
it's it's going to be a very super heroic game, and that's that's cool. Like it lets you create some um, some characters from uh, from popular fiction mm-hmm. that are much harder to create in a single class environment. Uh, our, our friend Jeremiah is a big old fan of Gestalt mm-hmm. um, as as a, a gameplay thing. He played with that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I didn't and know I've heard I've heard him praise it extensively, yeah. um, but it, you know the, the balancing Gestalt characters section, it doesn't quite say, uh, "Good luck, dude." Yeah, you'll figure it, it out. Say, forget but, about it. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I, like it offers some some challenge rating advice. You, uh, but which, wait, you skipped the best part of this section. Oh, okay. Go ahead. This picture, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on page seventy-four, that shows Miley as a wizard, and then as a wizard fighter, and then as a wizard rogue, and then as a wizard ranger. Uh, it's the most hilarious progression of images in this book. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's delightful in its ridiculous awesomeness. You know, like it's just so right. funny. Um, uh, because she has the same look on her face. <laughs> well, it's it, like right. it's like a pissed off person who's being told, uh, now for the next scene, change into this. Okay, now for the next scene, change into this. It's just, it's it's brilliant. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. I'm done with this photo yeah. shoot, and so is my wolf. <laughs> Can we get on with it? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it's funny. Um, Right. <laughs> I I understand what they were trying to do, but uh but it's just it's pretty funny. Well, and the 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 wizard rogue really undersells the concept. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course. I have a robe and a key. <laughs> right. That's how you know I'm a wizard robe. <laughs> or a wizard rogue. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you took the you took an art course from portraying saints in historical artwork, didn't <laughs> right. you? All right. Yeah, and here you know it is Saint Paul right. because of the beard. The beard is how you know. Sure, the outreached first finger and the thumb making the palm flat, and the key is pointed in this direction. And yeah, sure, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Lord, <laughs> no, it's perfect. So, so generic classes we already covered. Um, I, I do still find something compelling in it. Um, like it's it's so stripped down, and what I like about it is that it's so stripped down, and and because there is so little meat on those bones, you can mm-hmm. just give people stuff. Like you don't yeah. need to have them pay for it; they can just earn it, and it's a permanent reward that behaves like a class feature. Yeah, and it's fine. Um, and I, I feel like it's really interesting because that's sort of the, the gestalt thing is kind of the most – you build the most complex possible yeah. character because you're basically taking two classes and everything from both those classes and out. And that sounds like a great idea, but now you have to deal with all that stuff, right? <laughs> right. right. And this is kind of the most simplistic way to present class options. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean it's, it's, it's interesting that this chapter is ended with – the most complex and then the most simple and the, and yet they both work in their own way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that's definitely true, but like this makes me think about, um, Planescape torment. A lot of things make me think about Planescape torment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a game where like you have a, a second edition based 
uh, character progression, which is so stripped down. You can be a fighter, you can be a thief, you can be a magic user. Those are your options. Live with it. And you you have additional attacks per round. You have improved um, thieving chances. And you have better spellcasting. That's it. So because it's so simple, the game lets you unlock additional abilities that don't appear in any class progression in the world uh, as just as part of the story, as part of picking dialogue options and completing quests and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. Um, that That feeling of like... I didn't know this was coming. It wasn't already shown in my progression. I earned it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I, I earned it because this didn't have to happen. This wasn't inevitable. So that that has just always really spoken to me. Um, you know, for all that the very second ed mechanics of Planescape Torment are <laughs> they're a little creaky, mm-hmm. a little creaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, they're not a nightmare, but they're a little creaky. Um, they're just like it's really cool what you can do when things are really stripped down, and you can you just have room to be generous as a DM and say, "Well, hey, you did this really cool thing. Why don't you have a permanent reward for it?" It's a reward, not permission to buy a feat. It's mm-hmm. it's just you have this mm-hmm. thing now. Well, that's really cool. Um, so that's something that I would love to be able to experiment with. the The thing that makes it hard at the table is that it needs such a high trust environment. And man, third edition is not a high trust environment, right? Um, and then it also wants to be a mechanically spare environment. Like, dead levels are actually good. Right? Right. So 5th right. Ed isn't great for it, and 4th Ed is right out. Yeah. Um, and so 2nd so and 3rd are the ones where there might be some space for that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, you could certainly take the 5th the, the Ed chassis, which is still my preferred chassis out of those, and... Mm-hmm. Like maybe drain off some of the the, the less crucial stuff that you get sure. as you advance because you know you're going to fill it back in with you know more exciting stuff that specifically mm-hmm. arose out of the story. Anyway, right. Uh, right. This is not something I've done. It's just something that as that, that sort of keeps calling to me. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get around to it, but I also don't know if I'll ever have a group of players who feel patient enough and high trust enough to just improvise new features into existence and negotiate them and assume it will be fine. Yeah. That's a, that's a rough combo. It is. It is. And I mean, you might, you might have one person that will be willing to do that at the table. Well, sure. Two would be very tough getting a whole table. (laughs) Right. That's, you know, right. And, And I definitely have players who, are very invested in being able to plan their builds and mm-hmm. know who their character is going to be in advance. And sure. that's just not the right like goal 
is that right emotional goal for that whole approach mm-hmm. to the game. And it's not that wanting to play in your build is wrong. It's that it's a bad fit for this one thing I want to do. Right. Um, right. Like those are just competing goals. Um, anyway. Um, so that brings us to the end of chapter two of Ernest Arcana. And we had ambitions of getting through more of this book tonight, but also <laughs> we have an ever growing well of self-knowledge. And so uh, that, that's going to end it for tonight. Um, next time, as we go through Unearthed Arcana, uh, we'll be getting to Chapter 3, Building Characters, which um, promises some very different stuff, very different kinds of variation on what the game is. Um, so very like, fundamental uh, engine-level stuff. So that, that's yeah. going to be exciting. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to see what in here is looking forward to fourth and fifth or even to um, mm-hmm. some of the, the F20, you know, sister games like 13th age. Right. Um, yeah. It's going to be some, going to be some fun stuff. So thank you all for uh, joining us in this, uh, this strange little adventure. Um, Sam, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me at rpgmusings.com or you can find me on the Don't Split the Podcast Network where I host a little game called D&D Brief. And you can, of course, always find me on Twitter at DM Samuel and all over the Tome Show. How about you? I write for tribality.com. I write my own blog, which is brendastoddard.com. And you can find me on Twitter at brendastoddard. You can also visit my Patreon, which is brendastoddard. Excellent. So thank you, everybody. And remember, stay out of melee reach because coronavirus loves an opportunity attack.